Yeah. I feel like the um, programming world has attracted a lot of people that are maybe neuroatypical because I think there's some kind of comfort, or at least I find a comfort with like a computer between me and a person. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. This is episode number three, if you're counting for the Reboot Crew. It's episode number 126, if you're counting from the beginning. And I realized that there was actually an interesting milestone. We published 200 episodes of audio stuff on SoundCloud since Joel and Jeff kicked this off way back in 2008, 2009. So 200th episode, sort of. That's my air horn. It's been quite a decade. Uh, Paul. Oh my God, Ben. Have I ever told you about Stack Overflow for Teams? Wait, wait. Stack Overflow for Teams? Stack Overflow for Teens? Yeah, it's like TikTok, but it's enterprise software. This is what <laughs> happens when jokes die. <laughs> uh, but no, the deal is pretty simple. You all know and love Stack Overflow. You use it when you're learning how to code or when you're figuring out some stuff at work. But there's things you can't ask publicly because they're proprietary to work. So what are you going to do? You're going to get your own private Stack Overflow. And if you want that, you head on over to stackoverflow.com backslash teams. And guess what? We're giving away 25 seats for free. So if you work at a startup, even a mid-sized company with 25 engineers, you get the whole kit and caboodle for nothing. Amazing. So you guys, I'm going to write a little piece that goes along with the podcast every Ooh. week. And the title uh, is Ben Popper is the Worst Coder in the World by Ben Popper. I love that My so much. My wife suggested that title. I mm-hmm. think it's good. I think it works. <laughs> Your wife suggested Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And so I was writing the first issue, the first the first version of this. Yeah. And I came to something which you two talk about a lot, I realized, in my own little thing, which okay. was I was doing the HTML lessons for our mm-hmm. coding class. And then... I felt like I'm not really coding. Like I've done this in a Google Doc, like change yeah. the size of the type, like change the size of the font, like change the color, like yeah. move this here. Like I've done this in a CMS. And I was like, what? I'm still in the sandbox. Yeah. Like they don't trust me to do the real stuff. And then I was like looking at the CSS and it was like padding, borders. And I was like, oh, I'm playing with blocks here. Like yeah. this is not. And so then I looked at the, the JavaScript mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, strings, math. Like this is when I'm going to get my brain rewired yeah, be like a real deal. Yeah, and you see coder. in the matrix. <laughs> you <laughs> you see, see the, the matrix. Th- the thing you're missing here, Ben, <laughs> is that every single thing is constructed to get you back into that sandbox. Right. Like the yeah. whole of our industry is defined by how can we jam this person into a sandbox so they can do less damage. Totally. And most of the big work has been done and not a lot of people are actually higher level math geniuses to write the new algorithms. Yeah. We just but want we, you- we all want to be, when we dream of being a coder, that's that's what I dream of is like, oh, I'm writing the new algo that optimizes the data automatic, you know. Oh yeah, no, you want someone to just take you aside and be like, Ben. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you have a gift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like every time you go to the doctor, you want them to be like, how have you lived with this pain? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You just want them, You just want someone to acknowledge your right. genius and your suffering right. at all times instead of everybody sort of reaffirming that you're a completely average pain in the ass, like, which is what you actually get as you go through your life. That's the wisest thing I've ever heard in my life. I, you just want to hear people, you want people to acknowledge your pain and your genius at, at all times. At all just, times. I just, wouldn't you love your GP, you go to the doctor and it's just like, 
oh my God, Sarah, I can't believe we didn't catch this before. <laughs> oh my God, you, you, you've been, this is yeah. heroic just for you to get here and be here today. You've oh been my, working? Oh my God, this is, you're like, I need to study this because no one's been right. through this before. We can that's learn all, from you. That's right. That's all, it's the fantasy. And that is it. Like you just, you know, you, you, you hand your coat over and then people look at it and you just want them to go, wow. So then, then I have my comeuppance, but it was a good one. We had to put out the newsletter. Okay. Hey, we have a newsletter. It's great. Check it out. The Overflow. The Overflow. So we had to send out this email. It was kind of high stakes. It goes out to a lot of people. We've been working on it for months. We we're ready to launch it. And then the person whose job it was to take my copy and put it into HTML and make sure it all works was not available. Mm. And it was like, we don't have the bandwidth to do this. And I was like, all right, I'm going in. And I went in to Iterable <laughs> and I looked at the HTML and I had that, you know, Jurassic Park moment where I was like, I know this. I know this. I can do this. And I was like, oh, thank God I did that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Yeah, it paid off. It's wild how you learn the thing and then you immediately see that you can apply what you just learned everywhere. Like it's a very narrow, th- it's, a, it's a small threshold. Like you learn like, oh, this algorithm is useful for organizing tree style data in dictionaries. And then you go, oh. I can do that all day long. Like this is really meaningful everywhere you go. So yeah, great. That's the thing. And now you have a little more power. Totally. I was feeling down on myself. I was like, I'm just a pixel pusher moving this box over here and turning it from red to blue. But then when the the chips were down and we had to send out this newsletter, it came in, it came in handy. And I was like, great. When I got, the, the chips basics are good. were down. No, not Sarah. No, or the or computer <laughs> chips. It is oh, pretty good that your last name triple. is chip. I know. A triple entendre. Yeah, we never tried that out, but it's pretty good. I know. <laughs> like if your last, if it was Sarah microprocessor, that would be even more obvious. It would be Then we more probably would have, we would have had to address it. We have yeah. a guy in the community named Tim Post. Oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Post. Yeah. That's actually the post is in my company's name, Postlight. Yeah. Because HTTP post. It's in there. Just a little insurance. Gotcha. Because you don't want to name your company like HTML2 <laughs> or <laughs> JavaScript Experts. That is just JavaScriptExperts.com is an excellent for search engine optimization. <laughs> That's right. It is. It is. Sarah, do you ever feel like, oh, man, I want to like go learn this complex language or like push myself? I mean, you had to learn some Arduino and stuff like that yeah. on the hardware side. Yeah. The only time that happens is when you want to get something done, I feel like. Mm. Like, I've never like, oh, look at Python. That's cool. I want to learn it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I have to do this thing, and it only interfaces using Python because the library I need is in Python. Okay, I'm going to do it. Right. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's like, you know, I've got to do some home repair, and this exactly. is a little bit beyond me, but today's the day I'm going to buckle down and figure out this bandsaw. Exactly. Yeah. I will say my friend Jack took me aside once and was like, you'd be a more interesting and better person if you learned a little lisp. <laughs> And uh, and he's like, oh, I'm going to tutor you here. And he, he taught me a lot of closure. And like, he was like, this will mess with your brain and how you see programming. And he was right. It did. Yeah. Look, big companies. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do you come down on big companies these right days? Right in the middle. Right in the yeah. middle. Because, you know, like, I think Stacks, like, we're about 300 people. Perfect. Oh, you're going no with the more, home no team. No more, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a small company. We're about 60, but we're growing. Then there's the giants. Yeah, the big ones. And I, some days I wake up and I'm like, hmm, what are they up to today? Yeah. <laughs> are you? I feel like people tell me. I feel like people. <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. You find out. You find out. But then there's one that used to be really bad. Yeah. Really scary. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yep. And now it's like the nice company that we the all real like. The chiller. Yeah, yeah. The chiller. Yeah. And that's Microsoft. I know. And 
there are two people here from Microsoft where that it just Microsoft is not what I used to think of Microsoft as. I know there was a real solid period. I like publicly denounced.net for a little while. Oh, wow, you went in there, right? <laughs> I did. No, not antitrust.net. <laughs> You're like, I don't like this virtual machine. <laughs> when it was closed source. And then literally like three months later, they open sourced it. Mm. I was like, oh my bad. So you're like a mono fan. Yeah. Are you like, yeah. A, are you like a Xamarin person? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, big fan. So we have two people here who are from different parts of this giant organization. Yes. One of which I think people think of as as very Microsofty, and that's the uh, the cloud service as Azure, and yeah. that's uh, Chloe Condon. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Good to have you. And then from a recent acquisition of Microsoft, mm, known tiny as, company, tiny company uh, known as GitHub. Mm, which do you it. use it every day, all day? Every I mean, day, all day. When I'm programming or messing around. <laughs> um, we have Ihani Ekachuku. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Well, how does it, what is it like working at a huge company? Maybe start with Chloe. Sure. So I am a cloud advocate. So a lot of my job is to teach people all of the cool, awesome things that you can do with Azure. I do a lot of stuff with Azure Functions. I made a fake boyfriend app that you can trigger with a button, calls your phone. So my ways of showing how to use Azure are a little bit more non-traditional, probably, than the usual talks you may hear or, or blog posts you may read. I do a lot of things with um, using the Face API to detect emotion and images and make your own astrology symbols with Mario Kart players. Um, my background is in theater, so I really try to bring that into everything that I do. But a lot of my job is educating other developers, be that through talks or blog posts or lovely podcasts like this. And it's really fun. <laughs> AWS doesn't have a fake boyfriend app right now? Um, if I log into that page with like the 800 different <laughs> services, there's no like little guy in the bottom right? Not that I know of. I'll have to get back to you on Frankly, that. they probably do have one, but how the hell would you know? Hey, honey, what do you do all day? You know, I write code all day. Um, I'm a senior engineer on GitHub Actions. I do mostly full stack work, mostly switching between Go, TypeScript, and Ruby. Because, you know, GitHub's one big Ruby monolith, but we do have some Go services powering Actions. I've been at GitHub for roughly about a year, and I've been working on GitHub Actions from the jump. And yeah, we just recently like relaunched our 2.0 version. People are going to know what GitHub is, but what is GitHub Actions? GitHub Actions is a way of like workflow automation. I just don't want to call it CI/CD because it's just not like doing things around push and pull requests. You can actually do things around like issues, um, any event that is sent by the GitHub like um, webhook system. You can build actions based off of that, whether it's releasing something, deploying something making like an issue or like a comment on an issue or commenting on a pull request, starring a repo. So like, for example, if you open up in pull request, you can do make an action to like welcome first time contributors. And we oh, have like so a starter workflow for that. So all of GitHub is now scriptable. Yeah. No like, so it's like Apple script for GitHub. I would like choose a better like, you know, platform, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. It's like, a, you can't see me doing air quotes, but like, you know, serverless for GitHub. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. great. I like it. I, I think you, you could do some fun stuff. Like you could do if someone does like uh, a like a new pull request or if you push a new feature, like so you can automate the like hater tweet that goes out of like <laughs> immediately. You know, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Can't believe what's happening with this project. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made I don't know what it whose face it was. It had something to do, I think, with Nick Cage. <laughs> and it was like something just completely random. Oh, I know what they did. It's like pretty much they replaced every single like push of it, like every time somebody pushed to a repo, I'm pretty sure they just overwrote the files with like a picture of like Nick Cage. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so useful. like, 
I mean, frankly, that's probably a lot of projects would be improved. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the work that I've done, it's better than most. Yeah. Anyway, do you two, like, have you guys ever met before? No. no. You work from home? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, my team is all distributed, so it's been really nice to, to work with coworkers this week in New York. But usually um, my team is really large and we only see all of each other once a year. I have a little tag in my, my email signature that says, my hours are not your hours. Don't feel pressure to respond because when you're working with so many people all over the world, you know, you have to be mindful. Do you find anything challenging about working from home? Like, do you, one thing when I work from home a lot of days in a row, I find myself in the same pajamas for a few days. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I have to like, <laughs> I literally have a routine of like waking up, showering, eating, and I actually changing to like, I guess my like, leaving the apartment clothes because mm-hmm. yeah. I like, because like kind of like my brain's weird in the sense that I need to have like these signals that it's time to work and like my clothes and what I'm wearing signals like, oh, I'm ready to work. And yeah. same thing of having like a separate room at home for like mm. working. I need to have like that space. Like as soon as I walk in there, it's like time to get work done. I don't really like mess around whenever I'm in my office. But then when it's time for me to stop working, I have to leave that room, close the door. And it's like, okay, now it's time for me to like decompress and relax. I'm also like pretty horrible at keeping myself uh, accountable about like work-life balance. I feel like mm. since going remote, all, like I'm always on and I'm always like working and it's harder for my brain to switch off. Whereas before I lived in like, I worked at a startup in Soho for like two and a half years. And like, once I stepped out of that office, I'm like, all right, y'all ain't, I'll see y'all in the morning. Y'all not gonna yeah. hear it for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless, you know, don't talk to me unless I'm getting paged or something. <laughs> so that's my main struggle is like keeping that work life balance and finding that routine while working from home. I love to clean. I'm really weird. So when I'm home, oh, I'm very tempted like to that. Yeah, clean. <laughs> God. Uh, highly recommend, but don't recommend being an office manager for many years before being an engineer. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like I have to have my space be very clean. So I try to go into the office as much as I can. But I'm really trying to develop my five habits in the morning. But Do you also clean your office? Like, are you the person that like when you are at the Yammer building, are you running around to everyone's desk? Mm, I, I have a lot of toys on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> and I have them arranged a certain way, so everything has to be sort of right. And uh, I have to get my cold brew and my LaCroix. Everything has to be a certain way before I oh, get way. started. Yeah. And I also have ADHD, so it Likewise. takes me <laughs> a little bit longer than most people to kind of reach that, like, okay, now I can work. Like, I, I kind of view it in my head is this hill I have to climb before my brain is ready to get started. Yeah. And usually it do- doesn't fully click on until 11. So any sort of coding I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing later in the day. The morning yeah. is kind of reserved for like, okay, what does my calendar look like? Where do I need to go? Yeah. It's uh, lots of balls in the air at once. That makes sense. ADHD is a programmer. What are the positives? Hmm. So it's thing about hyper-focus. It's weird because like I get these random periods of time where I can hyper-focus on it, but yeah. at the same time, like... It's harder for me to, like, with ADHD, it's really hard for me to stay prioritized in terms of, like, what I'm working on. Because, like, Mm. it's so easy for me to, like, get distracted by, like, something else. Mm. And it's, like, not even, like, being nerd sniped, right? It's, like, matter of, like, you're you're coding or trying to solve something and then, like, oh, somebody pings you about a bug. And, like, oh, let me look into this immediately. Mm. Rather than, like, I'm not good at saying, like, oh, I'll look into it, like, later, right? It's, like, hard to keep my attention on, like, the task I'm working on. Yep. Sounds like you're pretty conscious about that by, like having your space and like entering yeah. work really thoughtfully. Well, it's yeah. just you both work in environments where and, and in such a way that you have to receive tons of notifications throughout the day. Mm. You build services that produce notifications throughout the day yeah. and yet you need to achieve a state of focus in order to get your stuff done. Yeah. How do you find that balance? This is so fresh on my mind because I literally just spoke at a conference. Why I'm here in New York is last Friday I spoke at Anxiety Tech. Amazing conference. Definitely. I would highly recommend. It's a mental health technology 
Psychology Conference. Wow. So the talks were ranged from everything from the ROI of investing in mental health that your you know startup or you know my talk was all about um, this ADHD reminder app that I built with Azure Functions to remind me to take my pills every day. Which you got that on Android because I kind of need that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all open source. I can share it right. with you. The irony being the day so I flew in on Thursday and the day that I gave that talk I totally forgot. Oh, I'm in a New York time zone, so I forgot yeah. to take my medication right before my talk. So yeah. I was like, oh, of course. Um, so got to build that feature in for time zones. But I very much view it as sometimes it's a secret weapon and I'm trying to make it more my ADHD more of a secret weapon. Mm. But sometimes with the nature of, of developer relations, there's just so much context switching. Mm. And I think I tweeted a while ago something like having ADHD is like, you know, oh my God, I, I have to do this. Like, and all the anxiety around it. Like, I need to do this. Oh my God, I can't do this. And then who did this? Like, it, it just kind of flows out of me yeah. and I yeah. don't know who did it I'm like I didn't write that code like I didn't yeah. write this blog post where did this come from and it comes in these like blasts like almost not a totally picturesque way of saying it but a projectile vomit of like productivity <laughs> and then I feel like I've been taken over by the spirit of you know the the programming gods and I go okay, cool. Uh, who was that? Who did that? <laughs> I really like your metaphors. That's like a pretty accurate way of describing it. I'm like, huh, yeah. That I've been looking for a way to like explain it, and I think that's a really good way of and explaining it, it. It amplifies your imposter syndrome, too. Yo. And all of a sudden, you do it, and you're like, I doubted myself. I shouldn't have done that. And then it, you have to do it all over again. You don't <laughs> internalize it as well. Like You're like, oh, like great work or something like that. I'm like, but it's not enough. Yes. <laughs> like, It'll never it be enough. Every it's that week. whole working, like yeah. just never. I'm all, My brain is always firing. Like My brain on ADHD is and I'm, I've only been diagnosed for a year, so I'm mm. still trying to figure out as an adult, like, how to manage this. What like, what what is this? And also forgiving myself in the past for like, oh, I wasn't stupid. Like, yeah. I, this was, this is a learning disorder. Cool. Yeah. I've been diagnosed since I was a kid and like, I've been trying to manage it since I was a kid and just like trying different medications to see what works with me. Does it work? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like weird growing up with it. Cause like, you know, especially being like a first generation, like uh, immigrant child, stigma around like mental health and ADHD. My parents didn't really want me to be open and candid about it. Mm. But now that I am like older and I can actually like, you know, speak more for myself, I'm like pretty candid about it and pretty open about it because like, yeah, I'm not broken. It's just like, you know, it is who you are, right? It's like, I didn't choose this, like, a struggle to overcome and, like, focus with, like, and, like, constrain relationships. But at the same time, it's a thing that you have to just, like, continually work on, like, improving or being mindful of and, like, you know, living with. So I'm, like, there's nothing to really be ashamed of. And at the same time, being more vocal about it makes you more relatable to other people who yeah. may be struggling with it. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, if they can be successful and they have ADHD, then, like, I'm not, like, doomed, right? Yeah. I feel like the um, programming world has attracted a lot of people that are maybe neuroatypical because I think there's some kind of comfort, or at least I find a comfort, with, like, a computer between me and a person. Um, and sometimes it's, like, a little bit – it's, like, an introduction, right? It's, like, a little bit safer where you can have that space where you're not self-conscious about being yourself when there's that computer in between. And so I think well, – Also, if you, if you have a task that you like doing in an obsessive way repetitively, yeah, boy, do I program. have an industry for you. <laughs> <laughs> Until that, that shift reload callus shows up on the finger. Like, that's what I look for. You know? <laughs> Let's talk tools. Because I don't, I don't like, I want us to like make sure people know that these are people working with tools. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
What's your What are your favorite programming languages? So I don't know if it's like a favorite, but one that I just reach to for a lot of things nowadays. I write a lot of Go. Mm-hmm. Um, I started. I learned Go first whenever I worked at Digital Oceans, my last job, and I just had a, re- a great time working with it. It's just made. It's just made for building like systems in a way that's like simple, but also flexible enough to get things done. But you know, if you talk to most programmers, like, oh, it doesn't have generics. I'm just like, I don't really care. But it's a really fun language. We use it a lot at GitHub, and a lot we have like about probably about three to at least three uh, different services for GitHub Actions written in Go. Um, it's a fun language, and my side projects. Really, I'm not really like a language like purist. I just like dabble with things. If I want to learn a new language, I'm build a project with it. I'm trying to like work on a side project for work using Rust, and then I also built a job board application using Python, just using Django, and I built the front end using Vue.js. And then, of course, at work, I switch between like Ruby and TypeScript with some using React as well, um, and of course Go. It's a good That's stack. Amazing. Yeah. What when can anyone explain to me when programmers get upset about a lack of generics? What are they actually upset about? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a puzzle, right? I was like, I don't really care about like, generics. This is about the typing in the language, right? That, right. That's the, that's the big art. Like, I want to be able to just kind of throw anything in the bucket and have the function run. Yep. And Go doesn't have that. It's like, no, nah, you have to button your stuff up and know what's coming in here. Yep. Like, you can't give me a string or a number and expect me to, like, just do whatever the hell you want. We're going we're gonna to yep. have to work together. Yeah, it's just, it's this, like, this is, if people are listening, this is an endless argument that will never be won that, w- that continues to be fought throughout the internet forever. Yeah, like, I, diff- think, I think it'll never be won. Yeah, I think it'll never be won because people have their own comfort with types, right? Or right. like they like types in a certain way. Everyone has particular and every like I am like that's why I love JavaScript because and I like don't even like TypeScript as much because like I anything can be anything. That's amazing. But yeah. some people just need things to break. They're well, like also, this it's should nice break. when there's like 150 people touching the code to go a little too far. Like yeah. just button that that's all up. That's true too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The bigger the the bigger the team and the bigger the code base like you like want that's where that's break. TypeScript is for there yeah. in particular. Like fifty people writing JavaScript, bad scene. Fifty people writing uh, TypeScript tends to go okay. Yeah, yeah. It all depends though, because like I think TypeScript is like a little bit too flexible sometimes. I've seen some people make some very complex types where I have to like unpackage it, and like I'm just like I read it and I'm just like. I don't know, like, either I'm really dumb or this is really, like, confusing to me because I just try, like, what is this type doing? And then I have to dig deeper into it. I'm just like, okay, this is a pretty cool abstraction, but at the same time, it's not, like, immediately clear what it does. But I do think it's still nice to have, like, whenever, like, especially in a large code base where you lack test mm-hmm. coverage mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It breaks intelligently. Yeah. So we, like, if you lack test coverage, like, I remember we had to rewrite our front end or something like that for actions. And, like, it was a pretty hectic refactor, but we didn't, and it was lacking test coverage in some regards, but we were moving fast, so we didn't really have time to add, like, tests to, like, cover that. But still, we refactored it in the TypeScript um, compiler, like, you know, held your hand and walked you through it the entire, like, time. And by the time you got got it to a point where the refactor was done, the, the code was compiling, then you, like, run the UI and everything, nothing broke and there was no runtime error. So it's, like, nice for things like that, you Truly know. Truly so. I mean, the, the, the developers who get really into types tend to feel, they're very mathy. Like, they're like, look at me, I'm a mathematician. Look Some, at me, I'm a Haskell programmer. No, exactly. <laughs> sometimes they're absolutely brilliant people who simplify things. And sometimes you're like, I haven't understood. You just talked about about endofunctors for 25 minutes and I just really wanted to say hi and have coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chloe, what about you? What's your what's your stack? Yeah, well, Does I Does it involve Azure products? <laughs> 
Well, I get to touch a lot of different languages just because a lot of like tools that we have support different languages. So it's mm-hmm. it's fun. My education is in JavaScript and Python. That's what Hackbrite taught. So I always say that my boot camp kind of my boot camp taught me how to program, but it also taught me how to learn languages. Like that was my first time ever learning how to program ever. Um, so it's cool. I kind of, some every once in a while, I'll be like, I hope this is JavaScript. I hope this is JavaScript and something completely different. And I kind of have to learn as I go. I started doing some Android development recently. So Java has been really interesting. Before I ramp up to Kotlin, I kind of want to get the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of really cool UIs like within Azure that you don't have to use any code for. A lot of our chatbot stuff, there's a Q&A bot where literally you just upload a PDF of a Q&A form and it kind of feels like witchcraft and like it should not be that easy. So it really depends on the day and the time and who I'm with. So when I started working at Microsoft and people said, what are you going to be working on? You say Azure. It, it like It's like, what part? It's like saying, I'm going to be programming yeah. at yeah. Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really cool just out-of-the-box things you can do, even for your hacky side project things that you're yeah. doing at home. Mm-hmm. Like my medication reminder thing is a really fun one. Just tools that are useful. Um, like Smash Mouth retweeted my yeah, let's talk about post that. the other day and it's like, oh, this is these kind of things get retweeted because they're fun wait, and wait, silly wait, and wait, exciting. Wait. Take a step back. <laughs> So you, so it's your fake boyfriend. So we had the workshop. We did a workshop of the fake boyfriend app at the Microsoft Reactor in New mm-hmm. York. And it was mm-hmm. really fun. About And I always encourage people, um, hey, it's a fake boyfriend app, but it doesn't have to be a boyfriend. It can be anything you want it to be. You can upload any MP3. Have Beyonce call you. Have The Rock call you. I don't care. Do whatever you want. And this lovely, lovely lady, Clela, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram. She's on my pinned tweet right now. Um, she made it. So you have to make your contact, you get a Twilio number and you put it in your phone. So for mine, it's boyfriend with heart emojis around it so I can differentiate it mm. from my real boyfriend. Um, but for no her... emojis. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of emojis? <laughs> in the example of the one that I do, it goes, it has a robotic voice and because you use kind of a markdown language to do it and it mm. goes, hello, it is I, your boyfriend. Please call me as soon as you can. And then there's a little bit of silence <laughs> and then it rickrolls you because Twilio's documentation is amazing and it had a rickroll in it already so I kept it done. That's great. So she was inspired by that and she made hers smash mouth. So she made the contact in her phone smash mouth and if you press the button once it goes, somebody was told me the body is is caps, and then uh, the call is just a constant, um, never ending stream of All Star by Smash Mouth. That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, Smash Mouth saw it and was hashtagged it TechStar. So in my Twitter bio, I'm now officially endorsed by Smash Mouth. Thanks so much for calling Chloe and Ilhani. Where can people find you on the internet? Ah. On the interweb. So on the internet, you can find me mostly on Twitter, on like at Kuchu, so K W U. Yeah. CHU. You can also check out Two Black Nerds at twoblacknerds.com. Two Black Nerds is a Twitter handle as well. And yeah, Seekers at Seeker.company. And of course, like, gotta plug GitHub Actions. Check that out. I'm on Twitter a lot. Just my name, at Chloe Condon. I'm also on Instagram as gitforked, G-I-T forked. Um, engineers understand that pun. Non, All my theater friends think it's a good place reference, which is funny. Um, and then also, if you want to learn like how to make a fake boyfriend, you can go to aka.ms slash gitfunky. Get it? Azure Functions. Or aka.ms slash learn it. Yay! If you want to just learn some free Azure stuff and get started with it. Awesome. We'll put these links in the show notes. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So fun. 
So this is an interesting article I saw from Wired. Uh, Decades old code is putting millions of critical devices at risk. This literally could be about everything. This could be about everything. Literally about everything. Um, So this is kind of like the asbestos in the walls, but of code, right? It's like a long time ago, we agreed that this was a really good way to put together hospital devices and security doors and cell phones. And this is, it's the protocol. And then 20 years later, people are like, wait, this thing is Swiss cheese. Talk to me a little bit about this from the perspective of people who work on stuff that you want to last for a long time, you know, and that you want to be sort of like, uh, I don't know if adaptable is the right word, not brittle. Brittle is what software people love to say, the opposite of brittle. Yeah. You know, we like, you remember when the planes were crashing? Yeah. Like, why didn't we do a postmortem where we found the person from the boot camp who did that? Mm. Mm. From the boot camp? Yeah. That was not a code boot camp. <laughs> no one came out of Flatiron School and they were like, here you go. I don't know. Well, actually, what's weird is you never do know. <laughs> you it don't be. know. Yeah. When does this industry become a regulated industry? Because like, so like. But the, the airline, this is what's terrible. The airlines are. No, I mean the but software the, industry. But they're, well, oh, yeah. Bum, right. bum, bum. I know. No, but that, that, that brings you to the, have you ever like watched a full congressional hearing about anything technology related? Oh, and it yes. just goes off the rails. Oh my so no, there was The best was the healthcare.gov. And they like brought up, oh. there were comments in the, in the HTML on that where someone was like, this will never work. It's a disaster. Like, <laughs> really just like a stray comment. Right. And they popped that bad boy up on the screen behind them. And they're like, can you, can you identify, why would you release it saying that we're all going to die? And it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to start and be like, well, engineers have a funny sense of humor. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, when they had Sundar Pichai in from Google, there was like a long line of questioning from one senator that was like, my daughter was able to get to this weird <laughs> website from her phone. I don't understand why. I can't print. And he was like, "That first of all, that's an iPhone, so I'm not really sure why you're asking me uh, to explain it. So do you know about why architects need to have licenses? So the buildings don't fall down. So the buildings don't fall down, but do you know what caused that to happen? Buildings falling down. Close. Okay. There was a great molasses disaster in Boston. <laughs> so there are these like molasses... Do you manufacture molasses? I don't know. You have a plant, you, a yeah, factory? you process it. You process, process it. Ma- now, manufacturing. This is your way on your way to sugar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Molasses processing plant mm-hmm. in Boston. Very sticky. In the early 1900s. For people who have never directly experienced molasses, it's liquid. Yeah. yeah. So there was architects, and there were construction workers, and they built this processing plant. Mm-hmm. And a little while later, the streets of Boston. Eight feet of molasses, <laughs> lots of people die. Boiling molasses. Oh, God. <laughs> lots of people dying. Mm-hmm. I didn't laugh. That was a laugh. And the architects were like, it's because of the construction workers. And the construction workers were like, it's because of the architects. And so finally, they were like, all right, you know what? From now on, you know, architects, every year you got to go to school. You got to do all this stuff. You have to have a license. Mm. We all have to see proof that you know what you're doing. And there, you get this cool stamp now, the end. Right. Um, but where, like, when that do we kill that, enough people that, that we net that cool stamp? Feet of molten molasses going through the town. Yeah. First so all, when that happens. Yeah, I want to hijack for a second. I did laugh when Sarah said molasses through the streets. I did not realize it was killing people. I was imagining more like rainy, uh, cloudy with a chance of meatballs. So <laughs> yeah. to anyone who lost a relative in the great molasses disaster, I apologize. I didn't understand. <laughs> what that meant at first. As someone Not whose entire funny. family perished. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. In an unrelated molasses <laughs> music. Um, Although if we, you gotta go, a giant boiling wave no, of molasses. That's can't, a terrible Can't wait go. for this the reader mail on this one. 
I mean, we don't know, so we're spitballing here, and we're probably going to get a lot of it wrong. But I do think there are licensing requirements to be, for example, like an aviation engineer who builds planes. And there mm. are double and triple and quadruple redundancy checks. Mm. But I think well, you may be right that that is not – the same is not true for the software. And that may be mm. something that yes. now we should update. No, there yes. – I mean, you know, you're a mechanical engineer, and then you go get various certifications. And, and of course, there is a stricter certification process. That mm. There's been a lot of conversation about certification over the years. Mm. What happens is that – there tend to be systems and protocols and rules that get defined. Like there's a, a there's a for example a NASA style of coding. It's worth looking up. Like how do you program the mm, space shuttle? Mm. And there is um, it's something we should actually like take apart and discuss at some point. Yeah. What if we get someone? That would be awesome. Yeah. No. But it, and there's like a big PDF. Like here's how you do your 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 C pointers and this is how you evaluate mm. the code. And it's mm. very redundant. It's a very drab style of programming because you're looking for every edge case and every error and you're trying to kind of prove out that you have considered every possible eventual screw up in this code. Usually we let the market decide. It's very tricky. Like, you know, if somebody loses half a billion dollars because their automatic trading algorithm sucks, then that's mm. on them and, you know, caveat programmer and you just, right. there you go. But this is a little different. I think like what you could say is have a regulatory framework in which you say that approved coding standards must be applied but then do you determine a language? Like the Department of Defense commissioned the ADA language many, many years ago because it would be very sort of type safe and structured way to do um, aeronautic, especially mm. programming for, for like F-35s and things like that. Okay. So there are systems, there are tools, there have been approaches to this. But this is like, this is like a larger systemic failure in the culture. Right. You get pressured into a situation where like getting the right outcome is so important and then people go – We'll fix it later. That, yeah. I think that's the terrible danger of our industry is that you can fix things later. Yeah, unlike right. hardware. Yeah, except in the case of like these embedded devices in, yeah, in hospitals. Right. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. It'll be fine. You we'll can't. just software it up. And that's uh, the thing. No like, it up. You can't count that the device in 2006, which is still like a good, I don't know, blood pressure monitor. Right. Yeah. That its firmware is going to get updated. Yeah. Like it's, you can't, you know. And now, I mean, I have a thermostat and it, it, it just blinks Wi-Fi connection all day long. I cannot figure Has out. Has a camera for some reason. Can't touch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I have to breathe into it every morning. Uh, and then it says, good morning, Paul. Yeah, no, no. I have to actually ask it if I can turn the temperature down. <laughs> Please. Um, but I don't, like, that thing is, is connected to something. Yeah. It's got different protocols in it for talking to the world, and it's supposed to connect to Wi-Fi, and I cannot figure out how. Yeah. God knows what's happening with that thing. That's so funny. What if it's just, like, a light? Yeah. They're like, print this Wi-Fi thing on it and put, like, a little blinky yeah, light. Yeah, a little blinky light. <laughs> it's absolutely possible. How would I know? Right. I know someone that, dude, has a hardware product that's like an in, that I will go unnamed that's like an inane thing that you put in your home they're like do you know how much cheap all these sensors are mm -hmm. and we're just gonna add a ton of I mean we might need them later and I'm like all right well cool cool <laughs> yeah just stick right. a bunch of microphones in there. Don't turn them on. And that is why your Roomba yeah, exactly. is currently or, or calling your boyfriend. The $100 like color baby cam that has an open HTTP access point, right? Like you control it through a web browser and it has little buttons oh on it. Oh my God, how terrifying was that? Oh, it was great. When it like people great. were talking to babies through monitors. Uh -huh. that, that was not good. But, that was not great. But I loved having that thing. <laughs> And I proxied it through my home network. Like, you know, it's fun. Okay. We invite it into our home. It's in our airplanes. And it's in all of our medical equipment. You yeah. can't fix it. It's really bad. 
You're listening to the Overflow Podcast. <laughs> Okay, everybody, we had uh, some amazing guests on. Thank you to Chloe and Ihanyi. So why don't we shout out a few lifeboaters and then call it a day? All right, here we go. Awarded yesterday to Dimitri, call function when if value in nsuserdefault.standarduserdefault changes. Thanks, Dimitri. Thank you, Dimitri. Rolls right off the tongue. Oh, wow. This one is very broad. What is blockchain and Ethereum? Where is it used? I'm Wild. surprised that question was allowed, but it was lifeboated and saved. So Lifeboat. thank you to Thurindu. That was a nice one. This is another one of those ones where it's not phrased as a question. So what is this person asking here? In-memory decompression with Zlib. Z-L-I-B. Z-L-I-B. That's a famous one. Zlib. Yeah. Zlib is very, yeah. That's a like one of the archetypal compression libraries. Okay. So they're saying, how do you do in-memory decompression with Lib? It's a good mm, question. Yeah. It's a tough one. Okay, yeah. maybe I'll put that in the show notes if people are interested. I'll throw yep. that one in there. How to change the VMware player version for a virtual machine? Up, oh, I remember that from last week. Okay, so we had three lifeboaters uh, in the last week. Not great, folks. Get back. Come on. Let's get up to five lifeboats. Yeah, go give them lifeboats. Where can people find us? Where can they find us online if they want to bother us, if they want to say something about the podcast, if they want to declare that all three of our voices are identical and it is impossible to tell who is speaking at any one time. Well, you can always find me at the drugstore buying cough drops. (laughs) Um, You can reach me at paul.ford at postlight.com or at fterrain on Twitter. You can find me at schips at stackoverflow.com and I've given up Twitter for Lent. Oh, that's right. Sarah's been sending me a lot of snarky comments in Slack just so she can... (laughs) I need to get out that energy. Wait, you're Catholic? (laughs) We'll do an episode about that. Um, and I'm Ben Popper, director of content here. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Uh, and so we will see you in a week. Thanks for coming by. <laughs>